Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Content Pros Podcast. We're really excited today to be joined by Aaron Dunn. Hey Chris, thanks so much. It's Randy here. Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I know you must be busy. Recently you've joined SnapApp. For people who don't know about SnapApp, maybe give us a little bit about what encouraged you to to join an interactive content company and tell us what that means. Sure, and very nice to to join you guys. Uh, Thanks for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. So, um, yeah, I joined SnapApp uh, about two months ago. Um, I've been in uh, technology marketing and uh, for longer than I care to admit now. Uh, we sort of hit that age where it's no longer cool to say how long you've been doing it. Uh, but uh, I've been uh, in uh, – most recently I was working for a SaaS uh, cloud storage company. But before that, I was actually in the in the, uh, the MarTech space. And I was really excited about the opportunity to jump back in. Um, I find the opportunity to market to marketers fascinating um, as a consumer of, of technology myself. I think there's a lot of interesting things that are happening right now. When I uh, you know was doing my own due diligence and thinking about Snap App um, and thinking about uh, you know the concept of you know where do we take our content as we go forward and thinking about the challenges that we've been uh, we've been facing um, as marketers and content marketers over the last you know n number of years as as, as this trend has really taken off um, and becoming a core part of our uh, of our marketing mix you know I saw you know the bones of a really interesting story here at Snap App around how you can really transform your content platform. But more importantly, how you can really transform your demand gen using content. Um, the term we use here is you know content-enabled campaigns, um, dic- with the basic premise of getting more people into the funnel by creating a more engaging and, 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 and rich experience. But even more importantly, getting those people through the funnel faster. Being able to provide you know more and better information to sales, so that the the sales team is is working uh, uh, you know more qualified people um, and have and has better information um, to you know have a more productive conversation, and then also you know feeding that information back into the into the into the marketing nurture stream uh, to create more targeted uh, you know better communication, uh, more engaging communication you know with your partners and prospects uh, all the way through the funnel. So you know it's a really exciting time. It's a it's a it's a nascent market. I think um, uh, you know. We we look at uh, you know uh, content interactivity as something that really should be on marketers' uh, radar screens as we as we end 2016 and think about our 2017 planning. Um, and uh, you know, so it's pretty exciting, um, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, building on that and saying that this should be on marketers' radars, interactive content. 
I think most marketers are very used to the landing page approach. So we create something, we put a gated landing page there, we try to get people to fill out some form, and then, hey, now you can download this ebook or whatever the case may be. What would you stress to content marketers to get them to focus on interactive content versus just the traditional, like, here's a blog post that links to a landing page, fill out the form, and get this ebook? Yeah, I think, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, right? It's, it's a very good approach and it's something that, uh, that we've all become quite proficient at. Um, but I don't think it's enough, right? You know, we're, in an, we're entering in an era where sort of incremental change is, is, isn't good enough for most uh, marketers. You know, we're being challenged uh, to, you know, deliver and continue to increase the scale and scope of what we're doing, even though our resources aren't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, tracking in line. So, you know, it's kind of an, I like to call it the era of like, you know, 10x change. So, you know, 25% incremental growth may not be enough for, for us. Um, we've got to find ways to, you know, really, uh, you know, do a stepwise change and, 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 and find uh, more interesting ways to, uh, to engage with our prospects and get them into, you know, into our selling cycle, you know, even though they have their own buyer's journey, as we call it, as everybody calls it. But the other thing that's happening is there's just this content explosion, right? So it, if content marketing 1.0 was, Get a whole bunch of content into uh, uh, launch a blog and really think about you know uh, getting your content out there. And content two O is about putting that content aligning with buyers' journeys and and trying to really engage with personas. Um, We've created this explosion, this overload of content that is making it extremely difficult for brands uh, 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 to break through the noise. Um, You know the channels are exploding. uh, The um, you know the way that we as marketers can deliver content. The creativity is is off the chart. So to break through, you know, we really think a paradigm shift is is um, is, is required, um, and and it's really about sort of disrupting the experience. So how do you um, how do you engage? You know, with your prospects in such a way that you know that really resonates. How do you um, sort of get them to? Stand up and 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 realize that you're really connecting with them on a, on a more um, maybe even emotional level. Um, getting them to say, "Aha, you know, I really want to work with this company because they they get me." Um, there's a couple of elements to that. Um, we talk about finding, you know, when you're really doing your persona analysis, really finding that nugget of insight um, that is, you know, the thing that your buyers really want to hear from you, um, and you know. And then presenting that in a differentiated way to ever increasing segments, um, in such a way that you can really, uh, in a personalized way, to to deliver that aha moment. And when you do that, you can really drive some outsized scale in your in your in your funnel metrics. Um, a lot of content marketers, unfortunately. Uh, have struggled with connecting their content uh, into the funnel. Um, there's some very good ones who have this down, but most of us, I think, struggle there. Uh, and this is really a way to bridge that gap between the content and the demand gen side. So, Aaron, to your to your earlier point in terms of how you know we all ran to create blog content a few years back, and we figured that out. And you know, I know we call this show Content Pros, which in theory we're all content pros, and you know, many of the people listening are. But I, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, for a long time, I had no idea what interactive content actually meant. You know, like I, I would struggle to figure out like is a video interactive content. I mean, it, it feels like I'm interacting with that. Maybe you can give some examples for those of us who are pros, but maybe haven't dug deep enough to understand how is, as you said at the end, you can differentiate more with a more interactive experience. Yeah. 
And I think it's, uh, you know, we're still early days, right? Um, you know, so I think when people ask, oh, you mean like in-app content? Is that what you mean? Um, uh, do you mean the video as you, expl- as you, as you suggested? But what we're talking about um, as it relates to, you know, interactive content is, um, is essentially content that you can experience, um, and engage with. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. One would be, uh, an ROI calculator. Uh, so a lot of software companies particularly want to be able to show you the value you can get out of your product. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, uh, to, um, uh, to refine, uh, you know, the various inputs. And then I'm going to show a result that's very tailored to you, um, about, uh, about the message, you know, and the return that you might be able to achieve, um, you know, using our product service, you know, whatever. Uh, so that's, a, that's a pretty, a pretty good example. And a lot of times companies have built those, you know, very, you know, doing a very custom coded, uh, approach, uh, that may be good. They may be bad. I built one way back in the day using, you know, using Excel, <clears throat> they tend to be very static and very flat. So, you know, what we've done is, you know, using our platform, uh, you know, our customers are able to build those on the fly and create a much more uh, dynamic process. Uh, but most importantly, connect the results, the inputs that you're putting into that calculator into your marketing automation tool. So, that, so ultimately, um, you have uh, you forward that information. You can use that in your lead scoring. You can use that in your uh, your handoff to sales. Um, and you can use that in your downstream uh, nurture marketing. So that's one really good example where you can generate some business value, um, you know, around interactive content. We're doing a, a lot of assessments. Um, so, you know, help me understand, you know, your business. So it will actually help you understand your business based on some information that we have, um, but also being able to uh, refine uh, the, the, the story, you know, as we go along. We do a lot of fun things, too. We do... Um, uh, brackets, uh, you know, what we, I think we just ran or I know we're just running we're about to launch again, another version of a game of Thrones bracket, you know, what's, your, um, uh, where you can sort of go through and, um, uh, um, actually that was the game of Thrones. Um, we're doing an assessment, but we also just did a bracket about what was your favorite, uh, binge watch, uh, TV show, which I think game of Thrones won. Um, that's what I was referring to. Um, you know, so ways to engage with your audience in a, in a fun way. Um, you know, we're about to go to Oracle. Um, uh, their their big marketing conference is coming up, and we worked with them to build a, um, a, a a way you can you can really map out your experience of what you want to do um, at the show uh, before you go. Um, and in all of these examples, they're, they're they're meant to be very dynamic experiences. So it's something as that you would want to interact with. Um, you don't always want to interact with a lead form. Like how many times have we hit the lead form and gone, eh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this piece of content isn't that valuable, but interactive content really provides a way of, of, of creating an experience. And if you do it right, that, that, that your prospects will want to engage in, uh, cause they're getting something of value or they're just having fun. And they can really bridge the gap. One of our customers, uh, HCSS, uh, is a software company focused on the construction industry. Um, and one of the campaigns that they decided to run was a uh, was a bracket challenge around um, around what the pro- what projects their construction customers were building. So they asked their customers to submit, you know, their most favorite. A construction project that they had ever uh, that they'd ever worked on, uh, and then you know then there was a voting process to come up with the best. Um, they wound up having like 170 or so um, of submissions, which blew the doors off any of their expectations. Um, and they discovered their nugget of insight, if you will, is that their customers were really passionate about what they were building. 
it wasn't just like a shovel in the ground and a couple guys in boots and hard hats, you know, making something and then, you know, walking off the job and calling it a day. They were really passionate about uh, the projects they were working on, the end products, and they took great pride in those projects. And they've actually now taken that to the next step and they're launching a, um, a, a, a community or a movement um, called iBuildAmerica.com where um, um, you can really showcase the work of the construction industry. Um, so, again... You know, bracket fun, interesting, but it created a, a whole new dialogue and discussion, you know, with their customers and prospects. I love that example, Aaron, because I think a lot of times if we go to the marketing events, we we almost hear in every session the question, well, yeah, you work at a coal company or you're marketing to marketers or, you know, everyone cares about whatever your company does and mine, they don't really care about. But with construction, I think some people may say, look, I... You know, people don't really talk about construction on the Internet. We can't create interactive content there. But getting those stories and creating that powerful experience, I think that definitely proves that. And maybe you could talk a bit as to why you think that is more appealing versus with interactive content, because I know some people think to get customers to tell their stories, they're going to have to hound them and call them on the phone. But something like interactive content could make that a more seamless experience. Yeah, and I think it does vary. Um, you know, certainly I was talking with a, a customer who I shan't name, who uh, you know is very felt very strongly that uh, their CIO, CISO customers would never want to do anything as you know fun and interesting as a as a as a bracket, and and that's fine. So we talk about assessments and ROI tools, which you know maybe a little bit more aligned with their business and and, and how they're going. Um, but the key thing, I believe and we believe here at Snap App is it starts with a really deep understanding and empathy for your prospect. And, you know, we talk about personas and all of us have done personas. I've done them, you've done them. And, and, and most often those personas get done once or twice and updated and then they sort of get stuck in the drawer and uh, never to be seen again or maybe to be revisited every now and again. But when you really dig into what your prospects want to hear from you um, and and how they want to hear it um, and really understand their world and what they're working in um, um, and and empathizing with, you know, with what they're trying to achieve, that's when you find those nuggets of insights. Um, you, um, you need to see kind of what their desires are. You need to see what their interests and their experiences are. Um, and, and, and then you can really, you know, start to design an experience that's going to, uh, that's going to resonate with them. It starts with that empathy, but also, you know, we're, we're humans and I think it's a bit of human nature to, you know, want to assess how you're doing, um, you know, against your peers potentially, uh, and that sometimes can be competitive. That sometimes, sometimes can be simply as, as, as comparisons, you know, and certainly the social media movement is, has, has shown us that people are willing to share some really weird stuff. <laughs> um, you know, uh, whoever would have thought that, you know, anybody else would care what I had for breakfast this morning, but you know, it turns out some people do, um, not that I post that stuff. Uh, but you know, there is this, 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 um, opportunity to create a different, uh, a, a differentiated dialogue, um, you know, through a great experience. So if I get an ebook, you know, if that ebook is really interesting to me, I might skim the, you know, the headlines. But if that ebook is delivered in such a way that I, um, um, I'm able to, you know, uh, provide input, 
into the, uh, the you know, how that ebook is presented to me, and and perhaps if the um, you know the content is presented changes based on how I've answered uh, um, certain things. Um, if done right, you know I'm 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 providing you with information, but I'm getting a different experience back, and that will feel different enough that um, um, you feel like you're part of the process. Um, it's a way to really get to that um, um, uh, increasingly pushing towards that segment of one uh, approach that, you know, I think a lot of us uh, hope to achieve. Uh, it reminds me of the good old choose your own adventure books back in the day. Although I, I think those are still around for kids. I, I bought one for my kid a, a couple months back, I think. Anyhow, one of, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about thinking about personas. One thing that we're trying to do here is not, you know, at our own company, uh, which is, you know, from Uberflip is not just think about the persona, but also think about the entire buyer journey. And how does that persona engage at different stages with a company? So I don't know if you have any research or any best practices. Where do you end up seeing interactive content most effective? Is it near that top of the funnel for that initial engagement? Or is it also along that buyer journey as they start talking to even a sales rep at some stage? Yeah, it is. Um, it is an interesting concept, and as it relates to personas, uh, you know, one of the things I would uh, I would suggest, and, and we gave a we gave a talk on this um, uh, at uh, the Martech conference that just wrapped up here. Um, you really, I, I believe, in to be most effective, you need to think about your personas and your content, your campaigns, uh, really in actually three dimensions. Um, it's not just enough to think about, okay, I've got content for this persona. That's one dimension. Or I've got content for each stage of the buyer's journey. That's another dimension. You really need to be thinking about the intersection of those. What am I going to tell uh, Phil Finance uh, at each stage of the buyer's journey? When is Phil Finance going to be involved in the buying process? And what do I need to tell him? What does he want to hear from us when he gets involved? Right. I think a lot of times we make a mistake in saying, okay, well, I need some content for Phil Finance, so I'm going to give him an ROI calculator. And then I'm going to try and get Phil Finance to engage with my ROI calculator at the, um, um, at the, you know, the top of the funnel. But Phil Finance couldn't give a crap at the top of the funnel because in our world or his world, he's coming in at the very end of the purchase process. So he hasn't necessarily been involved all the way through the funnel. So the content that you might want to give to Phil at the, at the, when, he, when he gets involved, it needs to reflect that he hasn't been involved. Um, and no amount of good salesmanship is going to be able to get him involved if he doesn't want to be. So it's really that three-dimensional view. And it's not so much starting with, hey, I've got this great piece of content. What stage of the funnel or what persona can I align that with? It really starts again with that empathy of understanding, um, you know, <clears throat> Susie CMO, you know, what, when and how is she getting involved in, the, in, a, in a purchase process and what does she need to hear from you at that stage? And that can be very transformative um, when you start to think about it that way and you start to drive not only your content strategy, but also your demand gen strategy. As far as, you know, when can interactive content really come into play? We believe it can actually uh, uh, be very uh, influential and helpful all the way through the funnel. The types of interactive content that you might use are different, right? You know, our you know binge watching TV show uh, 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 contest that we ran is hardly a bottom of the funnel you know campaign. You know, it was meant to create engagement. It was meant to create excitement. It was meant to create uh, uh, some awareness. You know, for the different kinds of things that you could do. Uh, and then we have a follow on campaign strategy that helps pull those people uh, you know further who engage with that campaign further down the funnel. Um, we are seeing, you know, that people who are thinking about you know, using interactive 
uh, content pieces, you know, as part of their campaign strategy, uh, you know, they really can see, you know, two or three X conversion rates, um, as people move down the funnel because, uh, because the experience can be that much better. Um, we have a chart somewhere on a slide somewhere that, you know, talks about the different types of, uh, of interactive content that you can bring into, you know, different stages of the funnel. Uh, but the key, the key is aligning your content and as a result, your interactive content against that persona and against what you think they, uh, are uh, well, what you know, uh, they want to hear from you at that buyer stage. I love that. I want to dive in a little more to bottom of the funnel content and ask you some questions there. But I think what you were describing is a perfect segue to talk about the, something that Randy is doing at Uberflip. They have a new conference that's coming up in August. It's called the Uberflip Experience. So if you love the types of guests that we have on this podcast, you should plan a trip to Toronto in August for the Uberflip Experience. You can learn how to create, manage, and optimize content experiences for the entire buyer journey from leading industry experts. And to learn more, you can go to uberflip.com slash experience. So I, I feel like 95% of the discussion around content marketing tends to focus on top of the funnel. And I don't know if that's right or wrong or if it's indicative of how we're measured because I know many of us are measured on MQLs. And you know, until that moves into pipeline contribution or revenue contribution, maybe our focus will always be on creating those assets to generate leads or the interactive experiences to generate leads. But um, Aaron, you were starting to talk a bit about people using interactive content for bottom of the funnel. I was wondering if maybe you could expand on that a little, because I think that as content marketers, if we're not working with sales to kind of bridge that experience and provide the right content there, then we're selling ourselves short, literally and figuratively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my last company, um, you know, this was a challenge I faced because I wanted to invest more and more in our content platform. And I didn't have a really strong way to explain to my CEO that, uh, that it was going to work. You know, there's only so many times you can go ask for money and say, yeah, trust me, it's going to work, right? You get the, you you get that a little bit, uh, but at some point uh, the pushback gets uh, too hard, and you have to start making some tough choices. So, you know, we really believe that uh, that interactive content and our platform can help you bridge that gap between the content and the demand gen. Um, and it first starts with alignment. So, one, my teams have always been aligned, not just on MQL, but whatever the next stages that sales uses to convert those MQLs into, you know, X, um, and, and that's going to differ you know, company by company, but, you know, <clears throat> sales is certainly not measuring MQLs or measuring something that comes after that. And from an alignment strategy perspective, um, I've worked really hard to align my teams and take ownership of that next number. Uh, because if you're not focused on that next number, you can throw over all the wonderful MQLs in the world and sales really couldn't care, to be honest, what they really want, because that's not the number they're focused in on. Um, you know, so let's just say in a, in, in, a, in a theoretical case, that opportunity creation. So they call your MQL, they have a conversation, they create an opportunity, yes or no. So, you know, at my last company, we used, um, uh, you know, that opportunity creation number. Um, and, uh, we measured ourselves against that. And, um, you know, if we, or hit our MQL number, but the ops were off, then you know, we didn't feel good about that. Um, there are 
a number of examples uh, that we uh, that we can share where um, uh, our customers are, are thinking about um, uh, using interactivity at the bottom of the funnel. So, um, <clears throat> you know, a couple of our customers. Uh, one we'll be talking with um, uh, coming up here at the Marketo Summit, Pentaho. Um, you know, they knew generally, uh, you know, what made a good sales conversation. Um, so, sales would get on the phone, you know, with the lead. It might be ten or fifteen minutes long. They'd ask a bunch of questions, and depending on the answer. To those questions, they knew uh, whether or not it was something that was going to move down the funnel or not. So they engineered a uh, an assessment uh, that was essentially sales enablement assessment to engage um, prospects sort of in the MQL process, asking them a couple of questions, which are essentially the same questions that sales was going to ask when they got them on the phone. Um, so they were able to weed out. Um, the folks who were ready to, who weren't ready to talk to sales because they answered the questions, you know, quote, quote unquote, incorrectly, you know, not, not to the, uh, to the level that would rise uh, to make a good sales conversation. So what happens is, uh, you know, for, for a cohort, uh, of leads, um, you know, a percentage, you know, move on to sales and a percentage don't. Um, so you can imagine, right. The Holy grail here is, you know, in the old world, uh, traditional world, uh, marketing might send across a hundred leads uh, to sales and sales, you know, moves 10% of them along and the other 90, they throw in the drawer in, uh, uh the new world we're talking about. Um, you can imagine a situation where mar- marketing may send over a hundred or maybe it's only 50. Um, but because they are so much more qualified, the conversion rate goes from 10% to 20, 30 or 40%. Um, so instead of getting 10 opportunities, they get 20 or 30 opportunities from it. Um, and that can be very transformative because, you know, sales, contrary to popular belief, sales actually doesn't want more leads from marketing. They couldn't give a part of the French crap about more leads from marketing. What they want is they want higher qualified leads. They want to be able to spend their time on the people who actually want to buy. And lead scoring and progressive profiling are all very good ways to do that. However, it takes time. It's um, it's not uh, uh, it's, it's it's it can be difficult to refine. Um, <clears throat> progressive profiling requires multiple interactions. And with Pentaho um, and some other companies that we work with, they've actually been able to design an interactive assessment to get people to give us that information and give them that information, uh, you know, right off the bat. I have a bunch more examples, but I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, the, I think examples are the best. They they help us uh, as marketers align to what we're doing. But you know, one one question I have for you is you know that, that kind of came up as you were describing thinking about the lower stages of the funnel is you know are you seeing examples where you know members outside of the marketing team are actually starting to create interactive content. So, uh, you know, I, I know that there's been a huge rise in collaboration between marketing teams and this new role of sales operations inside of companies and, you know, trying to better understand that MQL conversion as it gets deeper beyond, you know, the marketing's involvement. You know, how, you know have you seen examples perhaps where sales teams are starting to jump in and actually, you know, play a bit of that marketing role or at least collaborate back for that purpose? Yeah, um, I think it's early days for that. I think, um, you know, I, I think there will be opportunities um, for that. And, you know, we're doing it. <laughs> so I don't think that really counts because we should be eating our own dog food, as they say in the industry. But, um, but so let me just give you some examples of how we're doing it. You know, we have a, uh, a qualifier uh, assessment uh, tool that, um, you know, again, we built it. So it's not like sales ops built it, but, you know, the concept would be the same. 
um, where after our uh, our sales team sets an initial meeting, um, as a wrap up to this setup, they send out this assessment saying, "Hey, we're really excited to talk with you on whatever the date is, um, you know, to help make sure our time is most productive." We have um, you know this quick self assessment we'd like you to you know to engage with um, you know and a good percentage of the people say oh that makes total sense let me do that um, so that that leads to a more productive uh, uh, you know uh, uh, call down li- down the line we also have um, um, a couple of our our salespeople have created um, is we have a couple people have created like. An ROI process that they use in their in their sales process. So it's a um, um, it's a way of um, helping showcase the product as opposed to just a straight up demo. So I think there's there's a little bit early days there. I think marketing um, you know has a lot of great opportunity. Uh, you know we can see a window down the downstream where uh, uh, you know sales would get more involved with this, and certainly uh, we'd be open to that. Um, but uh, a lot of opportunity marketing stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, before we get to to one more question that I've got for you, I, I want to also call out another great podcast for people to listen in on. And, and Chris and I uh, had the opportunity to uh, have Park Howell on our podcast as well as be on his podcast called The Business of Story. And it's another podcast run by Convince and Convert, which is the you know, parent company that makes content pros come to life. So if you're enjoying this, you should definitely check out uh, business of story podcast you'll see a, a range of different uh, you know storytellers from Hollywood to b2b like like Chris and I um, and uh, those insights will, will really uh, you know bring you to life so take a look at that at businessofstory.com uh, and Aaron we, we do have time for one more question we always like to finish on this one because it gives us an idea of of how someone got to where they are today sometimes there's not much of a correlation but what did you want to be back Back when you were a kid growing up, ah, yeah, gee, you know, not uh, if we're going back to when I was a kid, uh, there's probably not a lot of correlation to where I am today, unfortunately. But um, you know, I grew up in a family uh, of, of firefighters, so uh, you know, my dad was a firefighter for a long time, and uh, and uh, and ultimately fire chief of, uh, and my sister got involved, and all my friends got involved, so. Um, you know, I think there was definitely a long part of my life where I thought being a firefighter would be super cool. And I have, uh, I have just a tremendous amount of respect for the work that they do. And, you know, you see the truck rolling down the street and, you know, and if they're, if they're gearing up and getting their jackets on and getting their air tanks ready, you know, they're on their way to an actual fire call as opposed to just, uh, you know, some other kind of emergency. And, uh, you know, it takes every time I see the truck go down the road and I live very close to a fire station, I got to tell you, I pause, just think about those guys going out and hoping they all make it home safe. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely much more serious than what we face. In yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's just work yeah. at the end of the day, you know, at least in the line stuff that we do, people don't, people aren't necessarily going to die. So that's good. Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Aaron. It was great. And I know we learned a ton about interactive content and for everyone listening, if you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can find them at contentprospodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you like to get your podcast. On behalf of Randy Frisch from Uberflip, I am Chris Moody from Oracle Marketing Cloud, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.